Podcast, you can't win. Talking a good game, you can't win. Topics never lame, you can't win. Win, 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 win. win. I'm marvelous. And I'm not your average Joseph. And we are the Particle Sons. Let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. Like, comment, subscribe. All of that. YouTube, you can see us. All streaming platforms possible. At ParticleSons.com on all social medias. And let's start the show. How you feeling today? I'm feeling good, man. It's still, still no snow in the month of January. I don't know how we're getting away with this. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. <laughs> We're not going to do is talk about this. No. Okay. What we're going to do is just enjoy, enjoy the, the, the climate change. Forget, the what, I, forget what I said. We're, we're enjoying lovely weather. And, and I bet you as soon as we open up the window and stuff, you're going <laughs> to see flakes. You're going to see flakes. I hope not. I hope not. Um, we have a special guest on the show today. Tell the people about yourself. Mr. MMA himself. Talk to Thank you, fellas. I'm Kanai Andrews, and I'm the editor-in-chief of MMA Crossfire, uh, which is uh, covers combat sports uh, throughout the world. So we like to cover what's going on. And as you fellas know, there was a huge event last night, and uh, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. like to cover that. So that's what we do. A new champion. There is a new champion there a in new, the light heavyweight division. A new champ, a new champ. And that was, what, his 12th? No, 13th fight. Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you know, well, his, his professional record is 33 and, uh, well, uh-huh. I mean, uh, Glover's pr- record is actually 33 and 9. But, yeah, uh, Jamal's is like 13th fight. That's right, 12-1-0 uh, with one no contest. So, he got up there pretty quick. So, what is this Glover thing, what you were saying? Because if you said in total he has 33? Glover is the more experienced uh, person in that fight. I mean, he was right, like right, 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 right. and yeah. 8 going in there. And yeah, he was Glover, Glover's, what, 40-plus now? 43. Yeah. 43. 43. Okay. So, you know, he was trying to make uh, history again as being one of the oldest champions in the, in the company. But, uh, you know, that was the thing. Like, with the experience of Glover mm-hmm. and, you know, the grappling, uh, be able to be enough. And plus, he was in his home t- country of Brazil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right. it'd be enough to take away, you know, the striking prowess and an up-and-coming, you know, skill set of, of nah. Jamal. And, uh, you know, I predicted that Jamal would take it and... Uh, he proved me right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was kind of, it was kind of. I want to say because I'm so used to Glover, right? Right. right I'm so used to right. Glover throughout the years and stuff, whatever. So I want to say, me seeing now Hill, right? Like I just know Hill from the other prelims that I've I seen him in before, right. and stuff like that. And I know, um, like I have a friend, he's religious when they're talking about like anything pertaining to um, UFC. Mm-hmm. So he was like, oh, this guy is something to watch. This this something, you know, and all the above. And he's like, right. he's like a bootleg John Jones. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, okay, John Jones is a name yeah, that flags yeah. everybody's right, radar. Right, right. Yeah, so oh, I'm yeah. like, all right, let me give it a shot. So I was normally going with Glover. Right. And then when I seen like some of these jabs come out and I seen that Glover was leaking early, I was like, yeah. oh, nah. Mm-hmm. Oh, nah, this is a different dance. This is a party. Right. So it was a good fight, though. Yeah, I mean, if, if you watch the, um, you know, the uh, embedded in the, the preamble there, you know, we saw, you know, clips of Jamal training on the ground and trying to prepare for whatever Glover might want to do on the ground. Right. And that let me know that, okay, you know, these guys have a plan. They, they know what to do. Going in, it's right. It's yeah. go into the ground. And I think his striking is good enough that, you know, should it stay on the feet, that he should be able to take it. Yeah, he was ducking and dodging. A lot of the, like, I want to say... Probably Glover had a takedown on him, like going towards the end. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, around the, around the third like the, round. Yeah, or, third, fourth yeah. round. Yeah. Yeah, and in the beginning, he was trying to take him down he right away from like, the start. Yeah, you know, that baby oil on him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's a good strategy too, man. That's a good strategy, you, you put, exactly. You know, Vaseline, baby oil, you know, whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. The ref don't see it, don't, don't matter. Hey. Work. But, uh, you know, Glover tried to take it down. He was smart. He knew that, uh, you know, probably striking-wise, he, he would, you know, maybe try to keep, um, you know, uh, make yeah. Jamal respect his striking. But eventually, he had to get it down to the ground if he wanted to win. So, right. you know, it was just, you know, just like his last fight, Glover, it was just wasn't enough. He was there. He was right there. You know, just right. like the Raptors there, you know, with <laughs> their last Right there. But, you know, the guy was just... Too much, and he was just too smart. Yeah, tenacity yeah. is not the only thing you need and stuff to kind of win these fights. You need, like, I want to say, at least a quick, cunning know-how yeah. to know how the degree of everything might just change because I want to say there was a few times and stuff where I thought Glover was going to get the upper hand on him because he hit Hill in a type of way, right. and I, I'm like, is he buckling? Is he stumbling? And I was like, oh, shit, this is Glover's shine time. Mm-hmm. But then Hill's like, nah, let me shake this off. You're going to eat these fists. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's it's funny with the, the with the Brazilian fighters, you know, it's um you can always expect the grappling. I mean, when I first started wa- uh watching um I think it was the Ultimate Fighting Championship when uh, the Gracie brothers mm-hmm. were were doing it back then. It wasn't what, there was no like regular coverage. Yeah. Yeah, you can was, you can choke an opponent opponent out. It was no weight divisions. Yeah, it was just it was just <laughs> no rules. Very raw. <laughs> And grappling was the order of the day, but but yeah. now it seems like striking is is more of a a, a, a modern type look, look at it. You you feel the same way? Yeah, or, I mean, I, I mean, like well, I think everyone's well rounded nowadays. Like everyone knows how to wrestle or defensively hold their own. Everyone knows how to strike. Everyone knows how a little bit of of most of the uh, the martial arts now. And so you know, if you're really good in one area. Um, you know, usually your strategy is, you know, to bring it into your world, bring it into your strength and just kind of, you know, stay out of their strength. Right. Um, and I think, uh, you know, with the men and especially now with the women, the females, I mean, uh, everyone is getting, you know, good, at, you know, at just about everything. So now it's a lot tougher for like someone like the Gracie, like Hoist Gracie, who had the superpower of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which nobody knew. You know, right. people would just go to the ground not knowing that they were in yeah, very, it's like, you know, you're in danger there going on the ground, letting a man who knows how to choke you out 500 different ways uh, just sit on top of you and do his thing. So now everyone knows that, okay, I'm not going to go on the ground with this guy. He knows how to choke me out. He knows how to do this right, and that. Right. So let me focus on this. So, you know, the skill set is just so much more uh, now that uh, we've seen guys like the Gracies and, you know, George St. Pierre do their thing. Mm. So do you feel like the where it is now, the league is more strikers or more grapplers? I would say um, for the last, you know, the last five or six years, I think grappling has been more That's the dominant I thing. I mean, from the heavyweights all the way down, you know, there's Brock Lesnar, there's Cain Velasquez, you know, even now Francis Ngannou, uh, Stipe Miocic, they're all well-schooled in grappling, and they know um, that if they can't knock you out, they can always use that uh, grappling to get you on the ground, control you, and just pile up the points and get the decision. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, it's it's very difficult to, you know, to compete if you do not have that wrestling 
skill set in your you know Anderson Silva for the longest time was able was the exception you know his striking was so good he had that Bruce Lee thing going so that, and that's the reason why like I, I miss people like Anderson Silva so that's why watching right. like Jamal yeah. Hill last night was kind of refreshing yeah because I was yeah. like yes we have strikers because <laughs> the yeah. the Man on man, grapple up for like two hours and then like yeah. slow ground pound yeah. or right. possible like it gets kind of boring to me. Sure, right. But Absolutely. then when you see the strikers and stuff, you see like oh, you see somebody kind of get Gets frazzled. Yeah, I'm like, because yeah, yeah. I'm a boxer guy. I like, right. I like, I love boxing. Right, right. So when I'm seeing the striker and stuff and action and stuff, I'm like, if he can hit like this. Mm-hmm. When you put your ass in that little chokey, it's a wrap. <laughs> and things revolve too, right? You know, people see, you know, the success of Jamal Hill. They see the success of the striking and then they want to do that too. So it's kind of, you know, copycat uh, to a certain extent as well. You know, see mm-hmm. someone knocking people out like Anderson or Jamal. You know, people want to do that too. And then, you know, it becomes a little bit of, uh, uh, you know, I want to do that too. And then, um, but... Yeah, that I, might I not agree. Be for them. <laughs> that might not, not not be for that person. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, not everyone can can strike like like Jamal or, or John right. Jones. Like those guys are exceptions. Like they're just so good. We've been spoiled, I would say, the last ten years because we've had who have we had? We had George St. Pierre. Unbelievable mm-hmm. striking, unbelievable wrestling. Mm-hmm. Can finish the fight anywhere. Exciting from Canada, representing Canada for the last five, ten years. John Jones, you know, it's like Dalsam and Street Fighter. You can't touch him. You know, <laughs> you can really keep away five easy. rounds. Yeah. He can choke you out. He can wrestle. He can knock you out. You know, Cain Velasquez, unbelievable, you know, 6'2", 250 pounds, quick as a cat, but yet so heavy. Yeah. Brock Lesnar, you know, Francis Ngannou, these guys so big, so fast, so powerful. Yeah. One shot is all they need to put you away. And, uh, you know, we've been blessed to have all these fighters come in and compete at the highest level. And now, I think now, like recently, maybe the last year or so, there's mm-hmm. been a little bit of a rebuilding in some of the divisions because some of those guys have retired, you know, um, you know, just, uh, you know, we had two retirements last night. Right. I mean, Shogun retired. And then, you know, Glover retired after the fight. So Oh, did he? Yeah, he really? retired okay. after the fight. Okay, so, so. I, probably, I shut it down too early. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, yeah, I mean... Uh, you know, these guys are, are, are getting up there. Like, he's 43, right? So uh, I was exactly. expecting if he lost the fight, he was going to retire. Or maybe one more fight if he if he won the belt. But, right, uh, right. You know, the, it's the new generation now. And we saw a lot of the new generation last night uh, yeah. there. We saw, oh, man, we saw the Bonfim brothers there with that flying knee. But Terrence McKinney was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the new generation now is, is showing what what they can do. Wait, is is there a, like almost like an an average average amount of years for for a fighter? Would you say or yeah? Or they just basically it's when a, when they're conditioning when they feel like their body can no longer sustain it. Well, I would I would estimate that the prime of of a fighter typically is like you know their mid twenties to maybe low thirties. So like you know you're. you're and when if you're a young and up and comer, you're maybe twenty one to twenty four something like that. Right. And then as you gain experience you, you you gain your stride you're like maybe 25 to uh 29 and then when you're you know you're really you have the the combination of of experience and physical athleticism you maybe your game should change like now. 29 to 32 and then after that it's more experience and knowledge rather than relying on your physical uh, right, attributes. Exactly. right 
So yeah, yeah there's definitely uh, because a time even with frame. Glover, even with Glover, I think like a few times stuff when he was getting hit, he kind of went with the punches, so they kind of alleviate some of the damages and stuff that was happening to him. Yeah, and that takes experience. Yeah, those those little tricks of the trade really go a long way, especially when you're an older fighter. Exactly. You don't have to take the shots like a younger fighter can. You don't have to eat those shots like like Chuck Liddell. You know, you can roll with the punches. You can you know you can move your head. You know, use angles so that it, you're difficult to hit. Mm. Uh, there's so many things that really help older fighters compete, and that's why Glover was in that <laughs> was in there last right. night. I yeah. mean, to compete at 43. I mean, uh, you'd have to go back to maybe uh, Randy Couture, who was like hey, <laughs> unbelievable, who competed until like 49, 49. years old. Yeah. But you, you saw how his last fight ended up. I mean, he got knocked the hell it's out. It's okay. In my mind, Randy is an expendable. <laughs> so we're not going to talk bad yeah, about you know, Randy. Not gonna talk expendable. Around, you know, I'm not going to mention that karate kick, but uh, <laughs> uh, maybe I did. But no, Randy was unbelievable, but it's very difficult to get up there like uh, those ages and still compete. So you got I got to tip my hat to, to Glover. Of course. Yeah. Unbelievable yeah. performances. You know, just came out here short in the last fight. They're losing the belt to Erie. And now, um, you know, he has nothing to hang his head about. He had an unbelievable no. career. Hats off to his crew, John Huckleman, and all those guys at the pit who he trained with. Uh, they really had him ready for that fight. He just came up a, a year short. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. That's fair. All right. Um, let's get to the polls of the week. Yeah. And we can get back to some more of the combat talk. <laughs> <clears throat> so first poll of the week said, have you ever been cheated on or cheated or even both? So this was one of the polls and stuff that we had like three. three. Right. Wow. Right. Now, the funny thing too, been cheated on? Mm-hmm. Blank. That that was blank? That was blank. Okay, okay. Now, been cheated on, I mean, um, cheated, and we're both, right. those were the ones that were filled. Okay. So it's kind of like, I guess a lot of people like, if you cheat on me, damn right, I'm going to cheat, cheat back, that, whatever, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, so they're yeah. clapping back. And I don't right. know if they're clapping back with the same person yeah. or in other circumstances now in a new relationship, whatever, they're like, well, I got cheated on the last one. Let me get some insurance in <laughs> just in case. <laughs> Let me just preempt the strike right yeah. but it, like kudos to everybody and stuff for there who participated in the polls and yes. they admitted that aspect of right. stuff so yeah been cheated on one by 56% so tell me gentlemen I'm both oh wow I'm both you're yeah. both yeah. Yeah. you're a both person I, I, I was the cheaty and the cheater cheaty <laughs> cheaty mm. and cheater what have we learned uh, that it hurts so maybe I shouldn't go out and do the being, being, being a cheater <laughs> Yeah, yeah. How about yourself? Cheated on, cheated on, cheated on. Um, you know, I came from a single parent household, so it was, you know, although I watched, you know, we're all men here. I mean, yeah. We all grew up watching, the, you know, the Fresh Prince and all them, you know, the players and all that stuff. But I, I'm just not a player. I mean, um, so I couldn't really do that stuff. But when you get cheated on, I'll, I'll be honest, it does cross your mind. Yeah. It does cross your mind. Yeah. You kind of wonder if the grass is greener on the other side. You see everything happening, but at the end, I, I, I you know, I just had to take the pain, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same. I, I've, I've never cheated. Hmm. I've never cheated. So I've been cheated on. Yeah. Now the funny thing is, stuff whatever is, I always, I always looked and stuff where, for myself, the culture, like what you were saying, the culture and stuff that oh, yeah. we come from and stuff is like. Supposed to have an army of women or something like that, and everything is yeah, right, like right. that, whatever. Oh, yeah. like, trick what lace who daddy what may still got a lot of girls that love to replace you, right? Right, and then now you're in a situation where you got cheated on, you're like, 
you're doing all the right things for the wrong person. <laughs> and like, what the hell do you do now? Yeah, so now, yeah. even if you end it with said person and stuff, whatever, do you now go in there and be like, you know what? You might move like her or something <laughs> like about you. Reminds me of her. And then you'd be like, you know what? Just in case. That preemptive right. strike. Ah. Right. Oh, yeah. But I, I feel like, I feel like for me, whatever you're, 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 you're into and stuff like that, right? I don't agree when people say, um, all men cheat. I don't agree to that I and agree. stuff like that. And I think a lot of people have different type of dispositions and stuff on where they would stand with all these type of things. But let's say this. If you're 20s, you had this kind of decision to cheat or not cheat, and that's your Shakespeare moment, your internal question. Right. Are you still saying, saying that in your 40s? Yeah. Or even your 50s and everything like that? Like, yeah. where does the elevation come in to say, like, you know what? That's behind me or that's not for me. Growth and development kind of kicked in and then, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I think, like, for me, I feel like it's not a young person's sport, but it's a young-minded sport. Right. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I also, also think you know you have to know who you are too. I mean, in, in combination with the environment you're in. I mean, you know, I know I have a lot of friends who got married uh, young and now they're you know divorced or you know didn't work out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there's that temptation, um, you know, to cheat or to you know to go wild or whatever. But uh, you know, depending on on your on your situational background, like for me, um, you know, I, I, again, I came from a single parent household. Same. You know, I saw the consequences of of broken relationships right. and mm-hmm. and all of that. So that kind of really scared me in terms of okay, um, you know, maybe I don't, I, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to have to uh, deal with this sort of stuff. So right. let me just try and. And, and and see what happens here, and uh, you know, smell the roses when I can smell the roses. I, you know, I'm not, I'm single. I, I can smell the roses. That's fine. Right, right. You right. know, when, when you have a rose, and uh, you know, uh, let's me, let me work on this rose as opposed to uh, finding another smell rose. another rose. Man, because, <laughs> that, don't, don't build the garden because it's hard to grow, keep them roses, man. It's man, like, man. you know, you watch you, uh, you watch Judge Judy and all those, and you see squabbling in court and all the money and, uh, you know, it can be hard on on, 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 on about brother, man. So <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to deal with that stuff. No, no I agree to that. I'm, no complaints from this side because I, I, I was once married. I got married in my 20s. Okay. And then it didn't work out and stuff. So in my mid-30s, I jumped back into the fray. Right. And then I had a lot of motivation from everybody and stuff. Whatever, like, this is your time. Go free. Right. Since you didn't cheat. Right. 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 Let the damn flow and stuff, whatever. And then it was good, but it was, it was tedious. Yeah. Like it was, it was busy and stuff like that. So I was like, mm, I'm more of a one flower kind of guy too. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. I look at it stuff as like, you got to go over here, water this flower. You got to give this flower a little daylight. You got to give yeah. this flower a little yeah. different atmosphere. You got to do a lot. Yeah. And, and, and the one thing with the flowers is they always want the attention. So when mm. you're, how do you divide up the time when, when somebody wants Almost a hundred percent of your time. You come with lies yeah. and excuses. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Straight goods. It's the only way. It's the only way. Straight goods. <laughs> alibi. Alibi. Always have an alibi. Yeah. I mean, it just takes a lot of energy to the point where you know, sooner or later it's gonna fall on you and it's hard to get out from under when it crashes down on you like Very that. Very true. Right. Very right. true. <laughs> okay. Um, the next poll we're asking, are you for or against homeschooling? And sixty percent said they're for it. Oh wow! Let's talk about it. Okay, 
Now, you and I, we had a slight discussion of stuff about it and everything last time. And stuff. Right. How are you feeling about that? Are you for or against it? Uh, I don't have a problem with homeschooling. Um, you know, when I think of homeschooling, I think of the United States in particular, of course, because, mm-hmm. you know, the educational system down there varies um, quite uh, dramatically depending on which state uh, you're in, cough, Facts. Texas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... Uh, you know, in, in situations where, you know, the educational system is, is not great or it's, uh, you know, just bad, you know, homeschooling can be a, a great uh, alternative. And in that situation, I think it's great. Um, where in other states where, you know, the educational system is, is good, um, you know, uh, it still can be a good alternative. Um, and I think it's a good option. Um, I know a lot, actually, I know some people who have been homeschooled. And, okay. uh you know, they seem quite... Ed- they grew up here? In the States. Okay. In the States, in, in the States of Indiana. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the state of Indiana. And uh, as far as I can tell, they're productive members of society. They, they don't seem any different from mm-hmm. anyone who's gone the traditional route. Uh, but then, of course, you know, you, you go on YouTube and you see or you, you watch stories of people who have been homeschooled and they couldn't tell you where... Uh, you know, couldn't tell you who the president was, or, or you know, they they seem out of uh, out of touch with with society. So, right. But I think overall, from what I have seen, I think I I don't have a problem with homeschooling. I think uh, I've seen enough that uh, it is productive. And again, in states where the educational system is bad, I think it's a great alternative. So, do you think educational? I want to say state here in Ontario is good. Because we've seen a lot of, in the past few years, we've seen a lot of drawback and conflict and stuff with education and everything like that. Teachers go on rapid fire strikes. Right. Um, some people saying virtual learning is, is not working for their children and everything like that. Then you got the sex ed talks and stuff like that. Yeah. So what about here in Ontario? In Ontario, I think it's good. I don't think it's as good as it, as it was. I think I've, I've uh, fallen behind in uh, a lot of areas. Um mm. I think the resources that the teachers need and, and that the, especially that the public system, I think uh, it needs a lot more resources in order to uh, be more competitive with uh, other systems around the world. Mm. So I think there was a lot of improvement there. But um, overall, I, I think it's still a, a, a solid system. It's just that um, okay. it needs a lot of uh, uh, resources right now and um, they're having a lot of trouble getting it, uh, getting it from the government. Right. Right. I always look at it as homeschooling. I think um, just that that one on one, that focused education. Yeah. I always looked at it as a good thing, but I always think of the the social aspect. I mean, a lot of times when you're you're in a system of like a public school system, or in that regard, it's not just the is. Not just the education that you're getting, but also you're learning how to deal with other people, how right. to how to how to maneuver yourself within a room of people. Right. You know what I mean? Like, not everybody is going to be a bag of roses, right? right, right. It, like, you might not experience that homeschooling, and then you you, you leave your shit. house, you run into the first asshole, and you don't know how to handle yourself, or you don't know how to conduct yourself. So I always looked at it as I I would prefer homeschooling, mm. but I would also like my my child to be able to 
to to be a part of something like whether it's like like a a sports team yeah. or yeah. um you know going out to like an art class where there's other people where they can share ideas mm-hmm. and because i i may not or the person at home may, may be able to teach them something but there's other minds right that that express other other things and the other other ways of learning things right, that right. they may they may miss out on i, I agree with that uh, I think um, there's something to be said, you know, the camaraderie that you build, uh, you know, with with classmates as you go, you know, go from grade to grade. um, You know, that's something that a lot of students in Ontario in particular have lost with the strikes and uh, the pandemic and stuff like that. You know, you have a lot of students that are really wishing that uh, they could have been a part of uh, something like that. So, yeah, I think that's a great point. Because I always look at it where, like, especially when a strike and that pandemic and stuff came in. Right. When the virtual learning, I felt bad for the graduating classes because, you know, that's kind of like your last bit, touch yeah. the school, you're like not going to be here anymore, right, stuff, right. whatever. Yeah, you had yeah. a virtual graduation mm-hmm. for those beginning parts of the pandemic. And then I look at it stuff as where, for myself, like when I was in eighth grade, that's when I had my first kiss. So I'm looking like, now it's all virtual and everything like that. Right. How does that hey, no virtual kisses on <laughs> I mean there's a cam you can probably just get off it's on it but I mean it, it, I haven't that, seen one yet <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm saying like that kind of like I want to say more that teenage lifestyle that yeah. I'm used to yeah. hmm. I just thought that for me maybe it might be just my opinion and stuff but I just feel like most teenagers and stuff that grew up in like in the city right. would probably go through these type of like trials and tribulations and stuff about like social gatherings and, right. and you know mits and mingling and stuff like that right right right. and then you have this duration of stuff where they weren't doing nothing right. like that and certain families didn't want to crossbreed over households and everything then you had the strikes when they came in afterwards and it's kind of like I don't know where the social dynamic is for the kids because I look at it where people don't talk no more all they do is this yeah. what they do is this right so I'm like most of them can't hold, hold the conversation Right. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. your teenage years help mold your adult years and stuff, whatever, to a high degree. Agreed. Yeah. Maybe it's more of an indictment of that educational system. If if there if homeschooling is really popular, what does that say about the educational system in that area? To the point where parents feel more comfortable schooling their own children, as opposed to putting them through the, the educational system. Well, because I think about it, like I think worst case scenario, you have worlds that will combat. Like, let's say if you come from a, a modest, like, Christian Catholic kind of household, the sex ed thing to your child, depending on the grade level, you, they might get it and stuff. They might not be for that mm. because I guess in the Christian world or this household and stuff, whatever, it's more, I want to say, not really spoken about yeah. until, I guess, a specific kind of age. Right. And right. the school's like, you're going to take it. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's what like the combat and stuff and and like the the the, the push will, will happen. But I always feel bad and stuff. Whatever. Where. Yes, the kids don't know too much exactly because you ask the kid, "What do you want to eat?" I don't know. They don't have no no you know de- yeah. definitive decision and stuff like that. Whatever. But us as adults or guardians and stuff like that are supposed to help guide them. So if now the parents are saying like. Well, I want to guide my kid to learn about this thing a little later and everything like that. I remember there used to be a paper people used to sign when I went to school. Right. Mm-hmm. Your parents would sign yay or nay, and they probably put you in the auditorium and you guys probably watch 
some other shit. <laughs> right, right. Why everybody else is right. like, oh, you missed the... <laughs> yeah. You missed that. <laughs> Where were you? Where were you? Did you guys watch porn? No, but we saw we saw a dick. We saw right. a vagina. Yeah. So that, like, I, I see the clash and stuff because, and then some parents and stuff, they're not, I want to say pro, let's say, like, LGBT. Mm-hmm. Right. So then now, with some of those discussions coming up and everything like that, then that's it. Look at the hockey player, um, Ivan for Philly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, he's like, this goes against my religion yeah. and what I stand for. Yeah. That's why I'm not wearing a jersey. Yeah. You know, to me, it's like, I went through the Catholic system, too, and uh, also the pro- uh, public system. And, uh, you know, I remember as a kid, um, I always felt that, you know, the youth kind of short shifting the youth uh, we tend to short shift the youth and underestimate their intelligence facts you know? yeah you know facts. the kids are very smart these days i mean they know what's going on way before a lot of parents do and yeah. i have a feeling that you know when it comes to subjects like sex and gender uh they're more they know what's going on more knowledgeable than a lot of the the parents who are are hesitant to uh to look into these things so you know you know, uh, I think they talked about uh, sex in like grade seven or, or, or grade eight or something like that. And I just remember knowing way more than that earlier. I mean, Porky's was on like five years before that. Yeah. And good old Porky's. It, it really explained a lot of things. <laughs> right. Yeah. Way before the, the textbook did. And, you know, that was a Catholic school. I mean, so um, I think, um, I think. The, I think the kids will, will be fine. Like they're dealing with a lot of things, but they're also very knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I personally don't have a problem with them um, learning uh, these kind of things a little earlier than, than maybe I did because, the, quite the honestly, world is different. The world is different. It is, times have yeah. changed, and uh, these things come come a lot earlier in society. Of course. Yes. Yeah. I remember, like, back then, like, if they show, like, a, a TV, like, a movie that came out of the movie theater, but they kind of want to water it down and put it on TV and everything. Right. Like, they would probably cut some of those those bootleg sex scenes. You're talking about like great movies. Is what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then now it's stuff that was like full Monty yeah. on regular yeah. TV. I'm looking like, oh shit, my, 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 how the tables have turned. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're talking about city TV, like great movies. They would cut out the uh, the nudity and the, and some of the parts. To, and then, like, then they had... The, baby Blue? They had the Baby Blue era where, right. you know... Uh, Good was, times, by the way. <laughs> where, you know, you could see more stuff and uh, to the point where, you know, you can go on the internet and uh, everything is there. Everything is there. Pretty much. Yeah. So... You know, uh, I'm all for kids uh, learning, um, you know, as uh, as early as they can because I, I give them the credit. They are very intelligent, and I I would uh, I would trust them that they they would uh, be able to navigate their way through that, just as they are navigating through a lot of other things right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. That's fair. Also, I think it would be good if it. I mean, if it's done in a professional setting and. They're getting that type of education, like, like like you're saying, like you can't you can't fool them nowadays. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And parents will try and take the approach where they'll say something, uh, and maybe in, in a in a discouraging way to, to to try and discourage them from from that, and they'll be like, no, that, that's not how it goes. And it's you know, so it's like it's not like you can get anything past them nowadays. Yeah. If you're afraid, like like we spoke about this before, where 
parents may may be afraid to speak to their kids about certain things right. or may not know how to address certain things. Right. So they just avoid the talk altogether, right? right? And which leads into problems. So I agree. If, we, if, if they're in school and they can get that education in school, then they're learning everything else in school. Why, why would you want to stop there? I don't know. But in today's time, they learn everything from TikTok. Or yeah. social well, media well, and stuff like that, right? And then we got to look at the validity of these things and stuff and how accurate are these things and stuff right, because right. as kids and stuff, whatever, they're more observant into the technology compared to like most of their parents right. and stuff and everything like that, or their grandparents. Right. So now they might be absorbing a ton of false information when the parent and stuff might be trying to combat them and stuff with like some facts and st- stats that they might know of like their time. Right. Like, no, it's not like that. In today's time, it's this. <laughs> and then, yeah. here lies another problem. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So I look at it stuff as that, do the parents have the time to put the time in and have these discussions and everything like that with their kids to kind of like, let's say, discern, this is real and this is not? And if they're not, this is part of the reason why I guess most parents depended on the teachers. That's right. 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 Because the teacher's looking like, you're paid to inform my child with hopefully the proper and stable information. But then you and I, we spoke, we had another um, episode where we talked about the teachers have their own political agenda. Mm. So if teachers have their own political agenda and stuff, whatever, it's going to be like, fuck what they teach you at home. You're going to know this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I.e. prosthetic titty teacher. Right. (laughs) Right. Because I'm looking, I'm like, when are they going to learn? <laughs> like, they're, they're, they're definitely going to be distracted yes. by your aesthetic, mm-hmm. right? But I'm like, you have an agenda to push. And then the trans agenda was was pushed and stuff with this. I was like, it was like a shop class or something like that. Shop, shop and I was class. like, what does that have to do with shop? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an agenda to push. So, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I can understand both sides. I can understand yeah. both sides that teachers are being underpaid. And then the parents and stuff are looking like, I'm giving you my child. Please bless them with proper information and stuff that can help them need. But then again, again, some of the schools, they're not giving them the things that they really need in adult life. They're giving mm. you, no. like, Homek died. Mm. Yeah. I realized Homek yeah. died. Yeah. And then now we're looking at stuff at a generation of kids and stuff that they only know Uber Eats. Yeah, because yeah, Homek died. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's that song and dance we, we're going through now. It's a dicey. It's a dicey situation. It's dicey. All right. Um. So, you said combat sports. Combat sports. Who's the greatest boxer to you? Your top boxer. Hmm. Wow. Um. I have to go traditional. I'd have to say Sugar Ray Robinson. Sure. As as it's funny because when you said that, his name popped in my head first. Sugar, Sugar first. Ray. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. I think growing I think going up, yeah. He was like he was the fighter in of the day. So like everybody in school wanted to be like sugar, you know what I mean? Sugar Ray Leonard. They wanted to then, you know, fight mm-hmm. and, and like yeah. That that was the first person that came to my mind. He was the first notable boxer to me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson was the man as you said, you know, he was like uh he was the guy that the girls wanted to be with, and he was the guy that the guys wanted to be. So, you know, he had the flash, he had the the cash, he had the the style, he had the substance, and uh, you know, be able to put it together in an entertaining package for for a long time. And then, you know, obviously, if, if you go to the heavyweights, you know, you know, there's Muhammad Ali, there's uh, mm-hmm. there's a number of guys that uh, 
you know, Floyd Mayweather just recently is, you know, a lot of people like to like to uh, uh, give the nod to Floyd, but... Uh, I was about to give it to Floyd. Mm. Because yeah. me, my thing is, is that if I'm comparing to Sugar Ray that I remember, compared to Floyd and everything, mm-hmm. Sugar Ray had more flair mm-hmm. yeah. in his fights. Yeah. But then if we're looking at like technicality and everything like that, I give it to Floyd, mm-hmm. right? And then much as when you... Everybody wants to watch the champion fall. Yeah. Right? right. It's like people just line up to watch the Titanic sink. Yeah. So you're kind of like... Is this the fight Floyd's gonna lose? Is this the fight yeah. Floyd's gonna lose? And then he just overcomes adversity, and then you're looking like, "This is how you prove you're great." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Much yeah. less like minimum losses and stuff. This is where we're looking at now, right? I think Floyd just might be the best businessman uh, in boxing. Oh, I definitely. Mean, uh, to be able to uh, command a hundred million per fight, and you know, to, like you said, you know, to to build that audience to where you know people are are paying just to see you. Lose, lose yeah potentially or just get beat up touched up knocked <laughs> knocked down, knocked down yes. you know uh that's that's very interesting um but you know he you know he was he went up 50 and now i believe what was it what was it 50 yeah. you know you know but those last couple of fights you know when he fought conor mcgregor i mean um I, I, you know conor mcgregor was a great mma champion mm-hmm. a great ufc champion and obviously one of the great lightweights featherweights of, of all time mm-hmm. You know, but he didn't have a fight, a boxing fight going into that fight. And I was wondering how right. how that fight got sanctioned. You know, a guy going in there with, with literally no boxing experience, going up against the greatest of his era at the very least. Um, you know, to me, you know, that fight kind of tarnished uh, that greatest ever for me. I mean, if he had gone oh. out, if he had gone out uh, fighting at least, uh, some of the, the the top guys at that time, I think he would have a stronger hold. But those last couple of fights seemed very calculated. And picked, yeah. You know, uh, to the point where you knew he was going to beat Floyd, uh, Conor McGregor. You knew he was going to beat uh, those last couple of guys that he fought. Did you know he was going to beat Pacquiao? I thought he was going to beat Pacquiao. And then, um, you know... Oh, there's still a lot of uh, stuff around that fight still. I mean, it was a long time ago, but, mm. you know, how long it took that fight to, to go together? Was that shoulder injury with Pacquiao real? You know, right. was that... He's afraid was that, of the needle. Well, yeah, you know, uh, you know the testing, you know, yeah. Pacquiao didn't want to get tested, so that's why the fight took so long. You know, I give I give the, the nod to, to Floyd in, in that respect because I do believe that overall he wanted to get that fight in. Mm-hmm. It just took a long time, and then by that time, um, you know, they were both older. But yeah. I still think Floyd would have won five years before that fight took place. I agree. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I also believe that Floyd is the best defensive fighter that of all time. Yeah. Um, you know, when it comes to defense, making guys miss, um, I think he is is the best. It's just that you know, offensively, you know, as time went on, you know, when he was pretty boy Floyd, that was unbelievable. He had like the the mix of offense and defense Defense he was like he had power behind his he was pretty boy floyd right you know and then he got smarter and said okay well these guys can't hit me well why do i need to (laughs) you know i just do my thing and then you know like keep away and just uh then became money and he was money he was more of a calculated business uh, guy you know the more defensive technical you know the, the you know guys like manny they had to show that they could go in there and touch him and obviously no one really could Right. So, yeah. Dream fight. Who was your ultimate dream fight? My dream fight? 
And uh, dead or alive, dead or alive. Um, I would say, um, you know, I just think of the quote that you guys had. Uh, I saw one of your shirts there in a, in, a, in a previous episode. I think it was like, uh, "Your ego is not your amigo," mm-hmm. right? And I was just thinking of uh, John Jones, oh, and Anderson Silva. That is Ooh. my dream fight. I would pay. Mm. For, I would pay for the pay per view for that. That Both. sounds like a. I will spend the money for <laughs> that. That sounds like a match. You know, both healthy, both healthy oh, in their prime. Yeah. Um, you know, that would be an amazing fight. You know, as you both know, John Jones. You know, six four with an eighty four inch arm reach. You know, he can he can knock you out. Uh, you know, he can open the car door without having to get out of the driver's seat. As <laughs> It's like Phil Jackson could in basketball, but, you know, it's just unbelievable to deal with that kind of length. And then the skill set to be, you know, he can take the fight anywhere. Yeah. And then yeah. you go with Anderson Silva, Bruce Lee, and, you know, uh, to be able to knock you out so many different ways. The striking unparalleled, you know, even on the ground, he's a, uh, a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He can choke you out. He can, he can hoist grace you. you you know those two styles clashing together. Uh, unfortunately, we never saw it in in the UFC, um, but uh, I would definitely pay to see that anywhere. Yeah, that, yeah. that sounds like a dream fight and a half. What about you? Uh, I would I would want to see uh, Ali in his prime versus Tyson. Ali Ooh. and Tyson. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ooh yeah. You know, hmm. yeah. T- the power of Tyson versus the. I was about to right, say. Yeah, I was about to say yeah. like. Mike had power in his like, but that's the thing, right? Like Mike, but I, I remember watching. I can't remember what fight it was, or who Ali was fighting, but they had Ali in the corner. And oh, I've seen that clip. I've seen that guy clip. Was just, he's just swinging, yeah, yeah, swinging, yeah. and swing, and Ali, he's just yeah, that's dope. right, that's right, dancing, dancing, pausing a little bit, smiling, then go back to dance and dance, and then come out the rings with firing, right? And I was yeah. like. Yeah, but and these how, passes, how much can you dance? He was if, past his prime in that clip, too. It, yeah. yeah. But how much can you dance if, if Tyson catches you just once? That's just, the thing. Just once. That's the thing. But then again, you know, he did fight Foreman, and that was an unbelievable thing. Foreman had thing. power, too. Foreman had power. And he fought Ernie Shavers, who was, like, considered one of the top hardest punchers of all time. And uh, he won that fight. So you would think that Ali would have the smarts to, to deal with that kind of power. True. Mm. Yeah, because he, I think the thing is of the intellect. Uh, Ali always wa- walked in before he walked in. Right. He's letting you know you ain't shit. He's the best. Float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. This is before you even touch the ring. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Before you touch the arena. Yeah. So he's already psychologically getting to you and stuff. And as much as he's using his brain in the ring. Yeah. Right. Right. So I think, I feel like that would be a hell of a thing. But then Mike, Mike just sees red. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially young young Mike just saw red. He went in there, boom, boom, boom. Buster Douglas was a different situation. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. I, I always blame women in Tokyo for that one. <laughs> yeah. Because they were doing some I think the geishas were doing something with Mike. Because right. that Mike, that fight, Mike wasn't Mike. No, he no. Wasn't. And I still can't pinpoint, I still can't pinpoint how exactly Buster Douglas and stuff, whatever, beat Mike. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> and even after that, I was like, what? Yeah. That. <laughs> Yeah. No, but uh, it depends, you know, because if, if Mike had the, uh, you know, Customato with him 
and all those guys who to keep them on the straight and narrow going against Ali then it would be a lot closer fight because those guys would have Mike ready right because Cus uh, was going through his health things and stuff at that time right when Cus died you know and all those guys that's when he kind of really fell apart and of course uh, yeah you know he didn't he, he had the power still but he didn't have the the you know the strategy he didn't have the the smarts he just went in there and, and bowled over everybody so you know that Tyson from '85 to like '88, where he was like he wasn't just knocking out guys, but you know he would slip the fuck punch and then yeah, catch you. Yeah, you know he would just he was so technical at that time. He mm -hmm. he would do everything so beautifully. You know that Tyson, wow that that would be that would be a lot closer fight. Nice, I think for me I would go with Sugar Ray and and Floyd. Sugar Ray and Floyd. Sugar Ray and that, Floyd. That'd be a nice fight too. Sugar Ray and Floyd. The battle of the pretties. Mm. Yeah. And we'll see who, who comes off and stuff from there. But UFC, I would I would choose the Anderson and, and, and Bones. Because mm -hmm. I, I have a thing and stuff, whatever, that like, Anderson, like, let's say before, prior to the injury. Yeah. Right. He's decimating everybody. He was. It's like, I think Vegas and stuff, they're probably like, all right, everybody's going bad on Silva. Yeah. So I it was just, he was just that, I want to say, precise with everything that he was doing. He was. But then Bones, he has that reach. He has the yeah. reach. He's taller than Anderson. That reach he has and that the reach. striking, the strike, like, yeah, the Dalsim thing, like you were saying? Like, yeah. It's facts. Yeah. So I mean, that's where I sit with that. And, uh, you know, to Sugar Ray and Floyd, you know, I'm, I'm kind of lean towards, towards Floyd there a little bit uh, because the, the defensive... The defensive prowess that Floyd would have, uh, you know, I think he can make Sugar Ray miss. I think he can make a miss. Now, the question is, would he be able to offensively put something in, in Sugar Ray's uh, face? But I, I think he could. I think he would get up for that fight, and I think he would be determined to prove that he yeah. could do it. Yeah. I think Floyd would take him, like, I want to say, fifth round. Mm -hmm. He'll start having his way. Mm -hmm. Because Floyd, much just like this, this ending Floyd, he watches and waits. Right, mm -hmm, right. Right. So he's trying to see what you're coming with and all yeah. the above. And I think normally around the third or fourth round, that's where you start seeing the stamina start to zap away from certain people, mm -hmm, right? Right. And then this is where Floyd starts to make his attack. Yeah. So I think with Sugar Ray, he might have that beginning aspect and stuff where he can that, but I don't how long could that agility go? Because we both know like Floyd can do the distance. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? Right. So we know that he can do the distance and everything, but Sugar Ray, he can too, but normally his fights and stuff tend to tap out like the, the eighth, ninth round. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Floyd, multiple times we see him go all the way to the end. So I was like, yeah, I yeah. got Floyd. Plus, I think Sugar Ray knocked out one of Floyd's uh, brothers. So brothers. I think uh, Floyd would want revenge. For <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, how do you feel about the Dana White situation? Yeah, you know, Dana White is like... Uh, did you cover it on, on your side? I did, I did, I did. And uh, a few people, a few um, media organizations covered it. And, uh, you know, Dana White is like Teflon uh, Don, you know. Like, he's the gatekeeper of combat sports. Like, uh, he's mm -hmm. the guy that really keeps everything going. The UFC is still the biggest combat sports organization in the world. Right. Um, you know, for like, and this is their 30th anniversary this year. So for him to get caught on video in a Mexican nightclub uh, in a physical altercation with his wife, 
uh, both of them slapping each other. Um, obviously, it's not a good look for him. It's not a good look for the sport. And the UFC's silence on the matter, not even disciplining him and just letting him basically do a press conference talking about it, um, I didn't agree with that. Okay. I thought uh, that he should have been disciplined. Um, at the very least, do some PSAs about it, um, you know, a suspension, something to right. because right. See, and I and I know him for giving the second chances because when um, there was somebody else beside and Bones had his domestic violence situation, and right, stuff, right. Whatever. So when that took place, I was scratching my head. I was like. A lot of times they they kind of wrote bones out for the situation, but then he got the second chance, right? Right, and his situation, their situation was really caught like on video, like how this one was, because mm-hmm. they were like, "It's Dana White, we're <laughs> yeah. to keep our phones up," and yeah. they're just recording yeah. and everything like that, and everything kind of took place. Right. I was just looking at stuff as where punishment wise, I wasn't too sure with that, but I was like, "What do you do?" Because this is now you're the face of a brand, yeah, right. And much less he's coming with the, the slap fighting thing now too. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, is this promotion? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, yeah. yeah I kind of wondered there, yeah. If yeah. it was just a setup for the power slap. But, uh, you know, that's what he said too, you know. Uh, you know, what, what are they, they going to do? You know, they, okay, I go away for two weeks, then what? I come back, you know. It hurts the fighters. It hurts everyone. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. hurts their livelihood. So, you know, but still, I know a PSA or something like that, some sort of acknowledgement that what happened was uh, was not a good look. Um, in my opinion, would have would have been um, is necessary um, because if you just say nothing, you don't do anything, you pretend it didn't happen, um, then it just looks like something's being swept under the rug, Facts. right? And yeah. it's just being glossed over. And um, as you said, you know, when a fighter does something wrong, what happens? shut down right away they get disciplined there's a fine a suspension there's something there's a code of conduct that the fighters have to follow there's a UFC code of conduct if they don't follow it they get they get uh, consequences so it just felt like there was no consequences uh, official consequences in this case what about you no I think that he should have came forth and said I mean he he did do an apology but again it wasn't like it was an official thing, you know what I mean? It was more like somebody, somebody's questioning, questioning him, and he just he's so haphazard to just, just spit it out, and then it's, okay, well, I, I, I apologized. I, I said sorry to her. I said, I said sorry to my wife. I said sorry to you guys. Let's move on, type of deal, right? It's like, like exactly what you're saying, like just kind of like brushing it off, like mm-hmm. it wasn't really anything. We shouldn't be focusing on this. Like, why are we focusing on this? Dude, because <laughs> you're the face of a league. And again, well, and I thought the same I thought the same thing yeah. after just watching um I think it was an IG post where they were talking how they were they were giving uh Dana uh slack for this whole sl- this whole slap boxing thing. And I was like, mm. I said, wait a sec. He has a league that's actually doing slapping then mm-hmm. then I that's like okay well if it wasn't planned sure it was a heck of a timing but <laughs> yeah it, conspiracy theorists yeah I mean you know no I mean it was just I, I don't think uh, I think it's just ironic that it happened uh, so close to the power slapping thing but I you know with Dana White's Dana White's response and you know I, I don't really I mean obviously I blame uh, Dana White. I mean, that was that was 
those actions are are undefensible. Right. But uh, you know, he did talk to TMZ. You know, he he did apologize. You know, in his you know brash, candid way. Yeah. Yeah, I did it. I'm sorry. I, you know, you know, he, he he said what he had to say in order for him to get uh, to get past it. But I really put the blame. On more on the on the UFC. I mean, they didn't. <laughs> they just they just did anything. Did nothing. They're just right, silent. Right. So, you know, when you, you're silent, I mean, what do you expect uh, Dana or someone else in that position to do? I mean, uh, they're just going to they're just going to do do it however they want. So, fun. But uh, it's, I'm sure the power slap ratings are quite uh, quite good now. I think the power slap things are gonna definitely jump. I think not because of Dana's situation and stuff, but I think the fact that it's been kind of, I guess, a Russian thing, hmm. and right. then now it went to, I guess, different countries and different places. So then now they're finally gonna capitalize it, and now TV. Mm-hmm. When before it was kind of like a random social media thing, to yeah. you probably had to go on YouTube to find Try these to find things and stuff. Yeah. Now, right. now you're gonna have people who were in the UFC or are in the UFC just say like, you know what? I'm gonna save the rest of the body. Yeah, bring it to the face, <laughs> and then they they take it from there and stuff. For the, and I see people like get clapped and get KO'd and everything yeah. like from a slap. So I was like, this might be in the UFC's kind of yeah landscape. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta admit the marketing was pretty uh, compelling, like very similar to how the UFC came out. But uh, I just see some problems with with uh, with the power slap because, you know, with the, with combat sports, you know, you're defending yourself. You have the ability to defend yourself at all times, and you're supposed to. But with the power slap, you know, you got to sit there and you got to take that slap. And uh, I, you know, I saw like yeah. you said a couple of them. The guy just. This guy's face was drooping, and uh, yeah. Yeah, it could be all swollen, kinds of medical yeah. problems that could result from this. Well, they're thing. talking uh, possible CT. Was it CTC? Was it the football? Was it CTE? CTE. CTE. Yeah. With with the the slapping. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Yeah, because it's very it's very jarring, right? I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. doubt that. If you get somebody with like some Conan the Barbarian kind of really arm strength, that he just gives you like a. Thundercats hole across your face. Like, yeah, because it's not really a slap at that point. It's it's like a, an empty hand, uh, and, and you know that hand going into that, that facial nerve that facts, which is, which is the you know the bread and butter of your <laughs> keeps your face uh, the way it is. I mean, I I seen one slap the uh, the it was a, a shorter dude and and a taller dude, and it was a shorter dude's turn and. He looked like he was he was getting ready to throw a discus. You know how you know how they do the the wind ups. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so I guess I get there's a countdown. You have a certain a certain time period to to release your slap. Okay. So he's like he's like the, the, the opponent's taller, so he's coming from down and coming up like this. So he's measuring everything, and by the time he gets to his third pullback and then leashes his hands. This guy just falls like a ton of bricks. I'm like, oh, big guy. Yeah, the big guy just falls like a ton of bricks. I'm like, this could be very damaging if you're if if, if you're not. All of it could be very. But if you're not bracing yourself properly, I mean, there's I don't know if, there, if there's a certain technique that you you do when when you're taking absorbing the hit. Yeah. But it's just like you like you're saying like I've just been seeing people just get knocked out. Yeah. I seen this one girl get knocked out, stand back up, do the stanky leg, yeah. then drop back down, yeah. get up. The referee had to grab her. And yeah, I, was like, I saw that one. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, just from a personnel standpoint, if you know, like I, <laughs> you got to find people to uh, to take these slaps. I mean, um, it's an up and coming sport, so I guess in, they might just have the bare minimum. But if people get sla- keep slapping out like that, I mean, how are you going to find people? Yeah. <laughs> Would you do that? Oh no! Oh no! I'm not. I, I, what if I'm, the price was right? Well, it depends, I guess. Ah, <laughs> everyone's tough. everyone's got their price. Everybody's right? got their price. You know, everybody has a price. Million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Everyone's got their money, price. Money, money, <laughs> money, money, money. No, if you, if you're feeding a family, and they'll say, okay, here's here's uh, here's a million bucks, tax free. You got, you know, they get the biggest guy, one slap. I would, I would probably do it. Why you say the biggest guy? <laughs> when you say the biggest guy, it's like a bead of sweat wanted to come down my head. But I'm like, I'll do it for the mill. You do it for the mill. I do it for the mill. Right. Because because we're gonna do it on mill. We're gonna do it on cam and everything like that. Whatever. But I'm the first person to think about when you said bigger guy. I thought about like, was it is the mountain from the Game of Thrones? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like him yeah. and me. I was like, yeah, yo, no. like. Yeah. Duck down, like you, you might not get to spend that million. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like next thing you know, what up? You got to push me out in a wheelchair. I'm looking like Professor X or something like that going around. What happened? The slap though, but I got this decked out wheelchair. Right. Like you're like, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, though. I mean you got to weigh certain things, you know. Pros and cons. Pros and cons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, uh, the the power. We now have the power slap. It's just unbelievable. So. I have a question. Have you ever been in combat sports before? Partake, participated? Never participated. Um, I I was a soccer player growing up, so okay. uh, I was more into uh, to soccer. Um, but my I, I did have some cousins who were into boxing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, most notably was Sean Garnett. He was called the Heat. Um, he was a boxer that kind of had a little bit of a run in the uh, early 2000s there. Okay. Um, I think he was uh, the WBC uh, Latino WBC. champion at one point, one of those regional belts there. Yeah, nice. and he was uh, main eventing the um, the Bell Center at the time. Okay. Um, so he was one of the up and coming Canadian boxers at the time with Steve Molitor. All those all those guys were were doing their thing. But me, no, I, I just like to cover it. I'm a I'm a writer, not a fighter. Uh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well played. <laughs> So what's your inspiration for you? Why combat sports? Oh, well, I grew up watching it. I mean, um, I was a big wrestling fan growing up as a kid. Uh, I right, hope you guys who were we too. Are? What Come. we all? Come so, on. So, you know, Macho Man coming off the top row, Paul Hogan, Andre the Giant, yeah. all those things, you know. I, you know, I was a big time wrestling fan and, uh, you know, I actually got into combat sports through the side door, which is uh, wrestling. You know, um, there was a um, media organization called Canoe. I believe they're still going. Um, they're part of, uh, um, well, they're part of Sun Media, the Toronto Sun Group. Right. And they're part of Post Media now, one big uh, giant group. And uh, they had a, a wrestling section there. And I was able to get in there as a writer, you know, writing stories about the wrestlers because uh, wrestling was a huge part of their readership. Right. Everyone liked uh, to read the stories okay. about the wrestlers and the results. Uh, WWE, Toronto was a huge wrestling town. It still is. Right, yeah. So, you know, I would, I, I was able to uh, get in there and I would, you know, interview the wrestlers, you know, from a journalistic um, 
point of view. So shout out to Slam Wrestling there um, and Greg Oliver, who was the, uh, the producer there. He uh, took me under his wing and really showed me how to, to, to get to the journalistic side, tell the writer the wrestler's story and, uh, and uh, expose that side as opposed to just, well, Macho Man beat Hulk Hogan by Kanto, or, or you know, just the basic right, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So through there, I learned how to how to um, how to write, and and then from there, I got to to uh, to post media, and uh, they needed um, their editors. I was an editor at the time. Mm. They needed uh, ideas or uh, blogs for their for Canada.com, which was their flagship uh, internet site. Okay. So that's where I came up with MMA Crossfire. Because uh, no one there was really doing it, and uh, I thought that was an opportunity to uh, to cover that, and so I I covered it as best as I could, and uh, I just started from there. Nice, nice. Well said, nice. And it was great because no one was really doing it, and um, you know MMA at that time was not really uh, popular mainstream. It wasn't really mainstream yet. When was this? This was like 2009. Okay. So okay. at the time, MMA was still banned in Ontario and a lot of uh, Canadian provinces. Only Quebec and BC. Right, because the, the mm. GSP fights used to happen in, in Montreal. Montreal. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's why they were there, because you, they couldn't hold them anywhere else. So, um, you know, it was still banned. It was only in 2010 um, that uh, after a lot of... Um, uh, uh, you know, people um, protesting and, and, and trying to uh, show the government that, hey, this is a, this is, you, you better get on board because you're losing a lot of money. This is lucrative, right? Yeah. That uh, convinced the McGinty government at that time to uh, change the law uh, and allow um, combat sports. And so that's gave birth to UFC 129, which became the biggest Canadian UFC event. I remember that. Uh, 55,000 people in the uh, Rogers Center uh, seeing GSP uh, take on Jake Shields for the uh, welterweight title. And then once uh, everyone saw how big it was, then it just started growing and it started branching out. More provinces started to allow combat sports. And and then um, they actually had to, um, they actually went a step further and got the government to actually permanently change the law so that they couldn't, someone couldn't go back and just say, oh, well, because... Uh, we uh, tried it. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, we don't like it anymore. We don't, we don't agree with this. Because it was, it, was, it, was an, um, it was based on someone's opinion. Okay, I don't like this. This is, this is combat sports. I don't like this. The, the definition was very subjective. Mm, so right. someone in there could use that to say, no, we, we're not, we're not going to use, we're not going to allow this. So they changed the law about a couple of years after to make sure that it was actually allowed and no one could go back in and, and use uh, any subject, subjectivity to change the law. Okay. And, uh, That's very interesting. It, as, far as, um, as far as martial arts goes, mm-hmm. Sometimes you have uh, you'll have full contact and you'll have non full contact. It was was full contact any any of an issue in can in Canada or? Yeah, I think um, they didn't like the um, the fact uh, that you know you know they had the perception of the early UFC years like uh, when there was very little rules and that there was no weight divisions right, the right. safety of the fighters um, yeah. was uh, was an issue with a lot of the commissions uh, the Canadian commissions and uh, in the United States they basically equated it to human uh, cockfighting 
um, you know, that was the perception that uh, MMA had for the longest it. time. Yeah. You know, you put two guys in there and just uh, lock the door and that's it. And well, I mean, because I mean, if anything, the sponsors would kind of be the owners of the of the the, the birds. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. So the, there was that perception that, uh, you know, it was just, uh, it was unadulterated violence. And then you had uh, a lot of uh, parents who, there's just a great, a lot of misunderstanding about what the sport actually was, which was really to ask the main question, what if a karate guy fought a wrestling guy? Or a Muay Thai guy fought a uh, uh, Taekwondo guy. Right. What would happen? That was that was the main question. That was how MMA came really came about. That's what the Gracies tried to answer right. when they came up with the UFC. And so, you know, as it became more popular, um, the, uh, the UFC smartly got the government uh, regulation involved. So that rules could be uh, done, and that regulation about the safety of the fighters could be incorporated, mm -hmm. so that people could see, okay, you know, it's not just human cockfighting. These fighters are skilled. Yeah. They're competing. They're not just trying to knock each other's block oh, off. Oh, right. There are weight divisions. So a 150 pound guy is going to fight a 150 pound guy. It's not going to be a 400 pound guy. Does that include the slap, the slap boxing league? Well, the slap fighting is still in its infancy. So uh, I'm not <laughs> sure. You have to go against the mountain. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly the what, what the rules are there. But with, with MMA, um, they, they quickly realized uh, that weight divisions needed to be um, done because, you know, you, uh, weight matters uh, right. of course. in combat. Right. And uh, just like boxing, you know, they have those divisions. And so they, they quickly um, uh, incorporated a lot of rules to uh, not only make it safer for the fighters, so, but for that the general public could see that it was an actual combat sport. Right. Um, pertaining to your blog, where do you see, I'm going to say the trajectory of it going and the awareness and stuff like that? Because I'm assuming and stuff just like kind of like similar with us, right. with us, we kind of look at like, if you land here or you, you stumble upon the show, you're going to love it and you're going to stay. Right. Is that the same appeal and stuff there for your blog and stuff like, are you trying to convince them to like, like you, what you just said and stuff? If I'm a mom... And I'm looking at it stuff like, do I feel comfortable watching this with my with my child? Right. After everything you just said and stuff, whatever, it doesn't seem that bad. Yeah. Right. Right. Because yeah. I but but again, like if you're sold on like the previous <laughs> dreams and stuff like that. Yeah. Human cockfight, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with yeah. your blog, is that what you try to you try to like express along with your critiques and everything and stuff as well? Right. I try to take a journalistic approach with MMA Crossfire. Our motto is dare to be different. Mm. So. You know, when you go out there, you know, a lot of uh, sites cover the actual sport, you know, in terms right. of the events, you know, like UFC 283, this is what happened. Um, and a lot of uh, websites also cover the a lot of the issues in the sport, which we like to do as well. Um, but we like to take it a step further and we like to um, cover um, related uh, aspects and issues. So, you know, there's a lot of actors and and uh, personalities that like combat sports, mm. and they like to uh, they like to share their thoughts and opinions. There are a lot of movies out there that incorporate a lot of martial arts and related uh, things. Never back so down. we interview a lot of uh, actors and actresses. We we like to cover a lot of the movies that come out and and, and showcase um, 
showcase them because uh, you know they have a lot of uh, martial arts and a lot of uh, uh, martial artists that that they hire for right. those movies. So right. uh, we, we like to cover everything that has uh, some some kind of relation to it, and uh, you know I think that helps us with our our readership because. Um, you know, we're we're not just a North American uh, readership. We have uh, it's all across the world: uh, United Kingdom, Thailand, Japan, Australia. But I reach as and, far. And uh, you know, it just shows us that not only do is there a lot of interest in martial arts, but you know, martial arts touches just about everything uh, out there. There's yeah. you know, you don't have to 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 be at the, at the fight. You don't have to like fighting. But if you like, uh, you know, if you like Kill Bill or or you like Black Panther, and you can see a lot of martial arts in the, in in those movies, and if and if you can read a story about one of those actors in those movies, chances are you might uh, read something else. And so we like to cover uh, all aspects, including the uh, female aspect. I mean, there's female fighting has grown so much in the last 10 years. I mean, you all know Ronda Rousey, who is now like a household name now. But uh, I've seen her in a a League of Legends commercial. (laughs) She's done movies. She's done everything. Video games. I'm like, good for her. Yeah. You know, she was doing, you know, she was like one of the most popular people in the world for during her run there. So she really helped inspire a lot of females get into the sport to the point where now it is an actual career option. Like, you know, you don't have to starve and, like, train and then hope that you might be able to get a fight. Now there are actually leagues, female leagues, like Invicta FC, that they can compete in and grow their skills and then move up to the UFC, which now has a lot of female divisions. Right. I mean, uh, so it oh, took... That fight last night, that, that one... She Jessica was... Andrade and... Uh, yeah. Lauren Murphy, that was that was a beatdown. Really uh, Jessica, uh, yeah, Jessica, was, Jessica was more built than me, man. Yeah, yeah. Jessica had pecs. Jessica is a tank, and uh, yeah, okay, all right, she's a tank, and you know, I got to give credit to Lauren Murphy there. She was she was tough as nails to, to yeah, 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 yeah. decision there, man. But she got she came out looking like a hobbit. Yeah, but, I she, mean, she held her own though. She was yeah, she she's very tough, but uh, that just showcases like you know the elevation of. Of, of the sport because at one point it was just Ronda Rousey and that was pretty much it or Cyborg but now you have the strawweight division you have the flyweight division right. you've got uh, the bantamweight division which was Ronda's division right. you've got the featherweight division 145 pounds you've got the lightweight division 155 mm. so there's you know and then you've got uh, one championship in Asia you've got Bellator you've got uh, the PFL now which is very huge getting Clarissa Shields involved you know the greatest female boxer of, uh, right now you know uh, undisputed in two uh, weight divisions trying her hand in MMA like that's just unbelievable uh, uh, what we're seeing so right uh, that's what that's what we try to cover those those things people who are doing things people with a story to tell um, tend to uh, that, that's what we like to try to cover nice do you talk about the pay gaps is there a pay gap between female fighters and male fighters is that a discrepancy over there I don't know that's what I'm asking yeah there's always a, a, there will you know a, because you know the UFC is is really 30 years old and uh, you know there, it's the 30th anniversary and so is that rookie to you is that young well to how you? old is the NBA well NBA's been around and stuff whatever counting like how old is boxing hundreds hundreds yes. of years yeah. hundreds and so when you look at, the, at those organizations that that have you know, many more years to 
to but deal dodgeball with. Dodgeball is rookie. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> now I hear dodgeball is coming up big dodgeball time. Dodgeball is coming up in <laughs> the game. They had that movie, that dodgeball movie. After that, that yo, it's serious out I there. Used there to were headgears, goggles, and... I used to be good at dodgeball. I think that my time was like a little... I came up a little too early because uh, <laughs> I could have been a dodgeballer, man. But, uh, you know, when you're coming up, you know... The, those guys were getting peanuts, uh, you know, Hoist Gracie and all those guys. Yeah, right, Dan yeah. Severin. They were getting peanuts to go in there and and, and, and take somebody's uh, head off. And then now uh, the next level, a little bit more, next level, a little bit more. And it always takes someone like a Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey to really bust the door open for everybody, everybody. because they get the top dollar and then everybody kind of like a trickle-down effect. Everyone kind of moves up there a little bit. Like when Tiger Woods burst on the scene, you know, the, the, the salaries that the golfers were getting before Tiger came on compared to when... Tigers, Tigers winning the majors at the Tiger Slam and all of that is a yeah. I heard yeah. um is is it Jack Nichols Nicholson not Jack Nichols Jack Nichols yeah he was saying something like that and stuff whatever too because yeah. he was ending his career before Tiger start doing his thing right and then he was saying I think he had a conversation and stuff but I guess like along those lines and he's looking like. Nike never looked our way when we were doing it, like, <laughs> right, you know, right, yeah. for years and everything. Like he's yeah. like, well, the game has done change. Oh, yeah. What I like about, let's say, like MMA, the, that world is that, let's say, part of the issue that people have with the WNBA and the NBA and everything and stuff is that like the seasons and stuff are kind of apart from each other. Right. Well, right. in MMA and stuff like that, you're gonna see on a scorecard there's gonna be a, a, a female fighter, a female fight, right, right, going on and stuff for there. So it's kind of like. We're in here together, right. so we're we're and like let's say I guess there's kudos to Dana White or anybody and stuff behind him, his team and stuff. But it's kind of like we're bringing everybody or what we deem fit, mm. and you as let's say buyer or organization wanting to watch it and everything like that, you're gonna take what we give you, right, right, and right. same thing you're saying. So if you have top dogs getting this money, this trickle down effect, so it's still kind of good. It's still good because. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, the one thing in MMA, there's no union, right? There's no union. Right. Like I heard the, I heard Francis saying some stuff about yeah, that recently. Like yeah. the other organizations. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very difficult um, when you have a sport um, that traditionally has really not had a union. It's up to you as the fighter to go in there and negotiate your, know your net worth and to negotiate it with the company. Right. To just have everyone band together. Uh, and, and, and form the union. They've tried many times to do it, um, but it, it just hasn't taken an effect. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, would, would, would a union help? I, I, it, perhaps, maybe. And maybe it would help the lower fighters mm -hmm. uh, that are not making as much money. But uh, I think eventually, I'll, I'll, like, you, you, as you as a fighter have to understand uh, what your net worth is, and you have to have the uh, the acumen to negotiate to get to get what your net worth is. Because if you don't, I don't care if the union is there or not. Uh, eventually, you're going to have to know <laughs> because as you move up, if you're only getting fifty percent or sixty percent of what what your worth is, that's a you thing. It's on you. You're, it's on you're you, the yeah. one who's going to be losing. And the union can only do so much so at much. that point. So, you know, yeah, it, it, that sort of thing is, is always going to be an issue. Um, but we do like to cover those things. We also like to cover things like photography. Like, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that go on outside of the cage. There's a lot of writers, journalists, 
um, photographers that give us those amazing shots. Like <laughs> when we saw, like I saw the uh, the shot of uh, Glover just tagging uh, Jamal Hill. It was like his face was like, oh, when he when he hit him with like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, you see the the blood spattering in the, in the, in the you know. I wanted to see the table because um because <laughs> Cormier like. What did he say? He said our table's covered in blood, and we're oh, all yeah, covered yeah. in blood. I'm like, right. show the damn table. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I've been there. I mean, I've been there at press row, where and I'm uh, sorry, I have to go back to Couture when he got karate kicked by uh, Machida. <laughs> he got the karate kick, and I was sitting there in press row. It was just right in front of me, and his tooth came out, it came out through the cage, and the blood spattered right on me. It was like I was like this is it was just <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, you kept he, the shirt. I had to keep the shirt. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Okay. It's a classic. Now you need an autograph to go with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just but Randy, you know, took it like a champion. He got back up, he walked out of, of the octagon, walked right past us, you know, and it was just you know he understood. I mean, right, it was his yeah. time. It, right. It was his last fight. He knew what could happen, and it happened. And uh, he made his peace with it, and he was he was on his way. But we like to cover those things, like photography, um, because those photographers in there, you know, it takes a lot of work to get those the, get those shots. Right. Yeah, all those yeah. things we see, like the pictures and the all that. There's a lot of good photographers around the cage that that make it work. And so you guys highlight specific photographers and stuff like that, or like for their fights that yeah. they covered and everything too. Yeah, we had, a, nice. we had a member, um, his name is uh, uh, Joseph, uh, and uh, he was the top photographer in the eastern United States. So he would, like, uh, for the um, lower-end promotions in the uh, in the States, he would do all the fighters' photos and cover and shoot the uh, the events and stuff. Right, and so right. we got him to, like, um, do a column on photography, how, how to take pictures and, you know, uh, gear that you might want to look at. Basically, like, if you wanted to take pictures for yourself, this is how you would do it. So... Um, he lent his knowledge and expertise on on on, on the subject, and it ended up being a, a great uh, a great column for us. We also have wrestlers on there too. We had uh, Sabu. I don't know if you uh, know. Back in that. the day, yeah, that Sabu, yeah, oh, the shit. hardcore uh, yeah. wrestler. Nice. Yeah, we had his girlfriend who was uh, also a wrestler, the Super Genie, Melissa Coates, uh, do a column called the Super Genie Diary. And uh, what they would do is they would they would uh, document all their travels. So they, they would go to Japan and do a show, and they would right. they would uh, let you know peel the curtain back on uh, you know what they were doing, uh, you know how they were getting ready, and just kind of give the uh, readers a, a bird's eye view of, of uh, what it is, what yeah, it is yeah. behind the scenes going to these shows and right. uh, and stuff. So uh, that was also a column that a lot of uh, we got a lot of crossover from. Uh, from wrestling fans over uh, to check out uh, what the Super Genie and Sabu were doing. Nice. So we like we like to think of uh, ideas like that, and uh, because uh, like the crossover, like wrestling is is so much more like MMA now, and and, and vice versa. You know, from the promo, uh, the, the the promos, like the the fighters talk like the wrestlers now. Right. Right. Like from Conor McGregor doing all those promos and. And stuff they they're trying to get themselves over just like Macho Man was and Hulk Hogan. It was, was. the best man yeah, because yeah. I mean Hulk Hogan. I always said that's why when he came out with the whole racist thing of like he was always good with the ERs, whatever. Mm. He's like, look here, brother, I'm gonna take you down, brother. And when I did with the leg drop, what you gonna do? Well, Hulk Hogan runs wild on you. I'm like, oh shit. The largest arms in the world, brother. Exa what you gonna do? Exactly. <laughs> and now you have Conor McGregor and stuff, where people like him and stuff, that are bringing that flair and that heat because a lot of people and stuff. Conor McGregor was the face. Right. Right. Yeah. 
was the face because he had this kind of flair about him and then he let it be known and then he talk his shit right. and then he'll back it up. Right. That's what that's what that's what people want to see. Yeah, you try you sell on the fight. I mean, you're selling exactly. on the fight and you know Connor was so great at it. You know, he inspired an entire nation like uh, you know Ireland before Connor. I mean, I didn't really thought much of Ireland before Conor McGregor. Like I knew Ireland, where Ireland was. I, yeah, 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 but yeah. Ireland but, has a population of four million, and Toronto itself has a population of three mil. But after Conor, I was like, "Wow, what's going on over there in Ireland?" Like, you checking out all the fighters and see what's going on there. Like, he just put Ireland on the map. He put it on the map by himself. Yeah, he put it on the map. And so, you know, that ability to talk, the ability to sell your sell yourself. I mean, that comes really from wrestling. I mean, going way back in boxing, you know, gorgeous George. Uh, being a favorite of Muhammad Ali, so Muhammad right. Ali, boring from Gorgeous George. I mean, that's all. That it all comes together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's fair. That's fair. All right, man. Um, good talk. Good talk. Uh, let's get to the question of the week. Uh-huh. Are you ready for this? Let's ready? let's hear where to go. I'm ready. Question of the week: What is the easiest way to ruin your life, in your opinion? Uh, I'll go. Uh, have too much of something, such as. Uh, well, it could be pleasure. It could be uh, too much of a good thing. Mm. Mm. Too much of a good thing usually, over time, can be a bad thing. Um, you know, I'm thinking of uh, you know alcohol, drugs, yeah. that sort of thing. You know, you get too comfortable. Uh, you know, becomes your best friend after a while, and uh, before you know it, uh, you're getting married. And uh... how did I get <laughs> in <laughs> Vegas? <laughs> in Vegas? Yeah, I mean, you're you know, it's the weekend, and uh, but you're thinking Tuesday. I mean, um, I got to go with that. Too much of a good thing. Fair. What about you? Overthinking the situation. Overthinking the situation. Yeah, that will ruin your life. Hmm. Fire away, explain. I think um, a lot of times if you reach a point where you have an answer, mm-hmm. nine times out of ten for me, it's usually the right answer. And you just have some individuals who just can't roll with that and they overthink it and move away from the right answer. And ending up probably just wrecking a good opportunity. And they carry that over through the rest of their life? That one opportunity? Some of them, yeah. Wow. Yeah. For me, I want to say before all this fighting talk, I would have said like like mismanaging your, your credit. Because I feel like credit is so essential and stuff in today's world. Right. That if you mismanage that, whatever, I think your life is damn near kind of fucked. And then you have to work so hard to kind of build it right back up to get to a late... Because now even like places, apartments and all the type of stuff and everything, you need good credit. You need credit for people even just to look at you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So now when I'm when I'm thinking about like I, I had a conversation with somebody the other day and like they're kind of like, my credit, shit. I was like, that's not to be proud of. <laughs> like, yeah, like no. we live in that world where we need this. Yeah, yeah. Right? But then when we were talking about all this fighting thing, I thought about fighting. Because mm. I thought about not... Like not let's say combat sports, but I look at it like a disagreement could turn into a felony. Right. Right. Like 
you and I and stuff, whatever, we can have a, a disagreement somewhere on the street and everything like that. And I might put my hands on you and then you might hit your head on the curb and then now you're dead and I'm in jail. And I was like, holy, it was just a disagreement. Like, it was just... So right. I feel yeah. like those things and stuff, whatever, but I get what you're coming from and stuff for sure. Yours and stuff, whatever. I feel like I don't... It, it'll hinder a person from doing what they got to do. Right. I don't think it'll ruin their life, though. Okay. Mm. Let's, yeah. get, let's get to the axis of what you have more. No, I was just thinking. Yeah, it was a good point. Let's get to the Ask the Sons. Ask the Sons. First, Ask the Sons of this week comes from Floppy Fish Cake. These names are killing me. <laughs> Shout out to Floppy. Shout out to Floppy. <laughs> Floppy says, "What would you do if you had a vagina?" I'd introduce myself. Hi. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> I would... Uh, see, and I, I, the, the question was so vague. But right. I would think... I would hope, like, I don't have a vagina underneath this. If I do, then... I, I probably just play with it for a bit. See what, <laughs> see what the shower... That the shower head, what the hype is about... With the shower head. Right. Yeah, it's like a new toy or something. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You forget the instruction manual, just go in there and just see how it works, and uh, there you go. Yeah, I, I always... It, it, it's funny, because you know when you're with, you're intimate with someone, and they always ask you that question, how does it feel? <laughs> and I always try to tell them, I always try to imagine... Imagine how it feels for you, but in reverse. <laughs> how the hell is that? The, okay. Go ahead. Finish. Finish. finish, like, finish. Like, imagine for us, okay. we have the feeling of filling up something. Mm -hmm. Right? The only other thing that when I'm looking at them, the only thing that they can feel is being filled up. Mm -hmm. Are you talking like cream pie? <laughs> Well, what if there's Creep condoms involved? Just, 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 just actual <laughs> act of penetration. Like, oh, like okay. I know what it feels like to be penetrated. I could only assume that it's the reverse feeling for you. So I guess if I have a vagina, I'd have to test that, for, <laughs> that theory and see if it really makes sense. I was with a woman and she told me, she asked me that question. Right. And she said, she said, what does it feel like when you, when you orgasm? I was like, feel tingly and great <laughs> and then I was like what does it feel like when you and she's like it feels like a symphony and I was like Jesus I'm like symphony we're talking about like all the instruments the flutes the all that and she's like yeah it's like everything just firing off and stuff at once I'm like oh it's just a guitar solo like I feel like it's more <laughs> just a yeah. na -na 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 -na, and it's a rap but like when you're talking about like the penetration aspect and stuff whatever I don't really care to know how it feels like to be penetrated. <laughs> so I'm gonna I pass mean, up on that. I mean, if you had a vagina, just... no. If I had a vagina, I'd be doing you, lip sync. I'd be finding another woman. We're doing lip sync, not scissoring. Lip sync. <laughs> lip sync. We're gonna be lip syncing, and that's it. That's it. Sausage look like it hurts. I don't do dick. <laughs> Sausage probably does hurt. Yes. Um. Next question comes from Acon Thirteen. What is a scam? that has been normalized by society? I'll go. I think uh, auto-subscribing, 
like um, you know, like but the um, the utilities or or even like uh, a service, like uh, you you order a service, and then you like they say, okay, uh, thank you for for subscribing, mm-hmm. but in order to cancel. You, the onus is on you to to cancel. Otherwise, if you don't right. cancel, we're just right. going to keep billing you. Yeah, and that's it. So, <laughs> you know, and that sucks too. Consider the fact that like we 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 lived, or I would say we came from a time to say even like the two thousands to go paperless. Right. Yeah. I got hit with a bill. I think from punk ass Telus when yeah. I was with Telus at the time. I'm like, why am I still getting charged for like you guys sending me a bill? They were charging me two bucks. So I was right. like. They're like, oh, because you didn't go paperless. Paperless, you don't get any bill. We'll just email it to you. I'm like, so do that. Then. <laughs> like, I have to tell you guys. So you guys are robbing me an extra two bucks a month just for it. I'm like, madness. That bit the whole the whole sending the paper. I I I never understood that. It yeah. just yeah. Yeah, the banks are a big sore point there. Also the gyms too. Like, you know, either you get your they get your banking information and they just deduct it like uh, they go for can, one. Yeah, like you, you cancel it, uh, but if you don't, if the, if you don't make sure it's not canceled properly, it, that just comes right off, and there's not much you can do about it. What I thought about this was insurance. Insurance. You and I had a we conversation talk, yeah. earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. Him and I talking about insurance and everything like that. Auto insurance, you need that for the road, but it's kind of like, let's say, life insurance. Yeah. If the person dies in a particular matter. It's a fight to get the money that you've paid so many, so much, so many times months into, and years yeah. into, yeah. and then they're fighting you tooth and nail just for you to kind of get it back. Yeah, I was like, everybody's like, oh, you gotta have life insurance, you gotta have this insurance, you gotta have home insurance, you gotta have tenant insurance. Really? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I agree. I think insurance has been a lot of one of those long time uh, classical uh, scams. There. Yeah. For me to be um, tapped. With with the uh, with with your credit cards and your, your debit cards tap tap yeah why yeah because now we're we're just we're we're still in the the I wouldn't say okay we're not still in the emergent stages of it of the technology itself but it's at the point where almost everybody has it mm-hmm. right and people know that you have it right um. I I think we're gonna really start seeing a, per, a proliferation of of scams, where if you're not buying yourself one of those um, those special wallets, where oh yeah, that blocks the signal that that blocks the s- signal, a lot of people are gonna start getting getting ripped off and not and not know of it. It's it's one thing that, I mean, like some some cards if if it gets used, you get an alert. But not a lot of people have that set up because they're not thinking in, in those regards. Mm. It's going to come to a point where you might be on a subway and three or four scammers might walk by you and, and hit you up. And you may not even know this until like your next statement. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Well, what about the cars now? People are <laughs> stealing those cars now with the, with the key fobs and all, all that Oh, stuff. the Kias? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, wow. People can suddenly just go up on, on your porch and just get the signal somehow and then just amplify it. I don't know what they do. And then two minutes later, the car is running and enough, it's stolen from your driveway. Yeah. That's crazy. Technology. That's <laughs> the world we live in. Wow, guard your grill. For real. <laughs> 
Guard your um, card. <laughs> guard your card. Actually, that, that has a nice ring to it. Um, last one comes from Faku. Is it Faku? Faku? Is it Faku? What's previously lux- what was previously a luxurious thing, but is now considered normal? For me, I got indoor toilets. <laughs> I'm not a fan of those outhouses shits and stuff. I don't know how they did it back in the day, you know, right. that type of stuff, whatever. Yeah. And I, I think an indoor toilet, to me, I think is essential and vital. Right. But some people like, yeah, it depends on where they come from in the world. They don't have a problem with copping a squat. Like, yeah, it definitely wasn't a luxury back in the day. Like, yeah. uh, it was just a hole in a, it was, if you had wood, that was like, that was premium. Yeah, that was premium. Just a hole there and then that was it. What you got? I got uh, using your credit card shopping for groceries. You couldn't use credit cards to shop for groceries back you, then? You could, but it was considered uh, taboo. It was like, uh, people looked at you if you flashed a credit card where you're shopping for groceries. It was like, what are you doing? Like this is just groceries. Like it was, and now you're getting points for these. It was not. Yeah. It was considered passe, and now, like you said, you can get points, and people are just flashing it out like uh, like it's just normal. Um, but I remember quite vividly, it was a it was a faux pas to uh, to, to use your credit card in in, in the grocery store. Yeah, yeah you, all, you back then he was like <laughs> you only used your credit card for major purposes. You were purchases. judged a certain way. It was um, like you were poor. You had to pull out your credit card just. To Pay for your groceries? Times is hard. Donate to the Negro Foundation. <laughs> Numbers 55512. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see how we uh, we consume music. Hmm. I was like, at one point, we needed a Walkman. If you didn't have a Walkman, then you couldn't listen to your music on the go. Then yeah. we had MP3 players. Yeah. If you wanted to listen to your music on the go, now you needed an MP3 player. Right. Now you don't you don't need anything but your phone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then it's it's like that is like something that <laughs> it's, it wasn't a luxury that afforded to many. Yeah, that, that's a good one. You're right. You're right because you're absolutely right because I remember the phone. The main purpose and stuff was just call. Just call. And then eventually it came to like the texting world. And now it was kind of like, we want your phone to do everything and then some and stuff there because your phone is now music player, um, computer. Yeah. Video um, player. Heart monitor and everything like that. Yeah. Like everything. So many doctor, all the above and then some and stuff. And the people work from their phone and stuff, right? Because you right. have Microsoft, um, Word and everything like that, yeah. notepad. So, yeah, yeah, they jammed everything they could and stuff into the phone, and then some, and then some. Yeah, yeah. because if you wanted to to listen to music on the go in your car, what did you have to do? What did you need in the car? You needed you needed <laughs> cassette, cassette tape decks, with the cord connected to a CD player. Right. Yeah, yeah, people putting portable CDs into the car, CD player into the car, just to play. play just yeah, yeah. Or you need a CD changer, you know. You'd have the whole, you know, whole the whole hub. <laughs> you hold six of them in there. Yeah, right, right, tired right, of the yeah, six. You yeah. gotta stop. Go in the <laughs> truck. Go up the truck. Change up the six. Yeah, it's like uh, times, times. Showing our age, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is what it is. All right, we are here. We are at the end. Nice. Hit it with the Soul State of Sons this week. 
So see, the Suns this week says, <clears throat> try to solve one problem to block a hundred of them away. So, so say the Suns. Um, constantly, a lot of times, people don't deal with one problem and they start to pile up and you know how it is. You're trying to sweep under the rug. Eventually, the rug is going to come up and now people are going to be tripping over this rug with this big pile. I don't think we should start us as people, I can't tell people how to live their life, but I think it's better for people to just kind of just go about life to try to take their things and stuff, you know, like let's say five things at a time on your plate. Right. Because, you know, you might be a parent, you might be a worker, you might be this, you might be in a relationship and stuff like that. Try not to get things that might bombard you. And then when they start piling on more things and stuff to do, now you have no focus and then you might get lost and get overwhelmed. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, I like that. We appreciate you. Thank you for coming through. Thank you. Blessing us with your knowledge. And I would love to see a dream fight in my dreams sometime whenever I sleep (laughs) between Anderson Silva and And John John Bowen Jones. And on the female side, let me add uh, uh, Ronda Rousey and and Cyborg. We never got to see see that fight. Uh, Both those fighters in their prime. That was the big female fight that we never got to see. Cyborg, the Terminator, just demolishing folks uh, up and down and then Ronda Rousey the arm collector you know every fight taking somebody's arm off with the arm bar just using the judo just uh, throwing people all over the the mat to see those two clash together would have Mm. been unbelievable sweet deal sweet deal yes yes tell the people how to find you again Tell tell them how to find you and everything you're about all right. Well, uh, again, MMACrossfire.com. MMA Crossfire is the website. You can you can find me there. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at uh, at Kanai Andrews and at uh, MMA Crossfire, and on Twitter at Nation Crossfire. Um, those are the main uh, social channels uh, that we like to use. But uh, by all means, visit uh, MMACrossfire.com. Say hi. Uh, read a story. We have a live chat every Sunday, uh, mm-hmm. so that we, we talk about what's going on in the week that was. Uh, we we chew the the scuttlebutt as you if you were. Uh, so uh, before we started recording, uh, you and I were were just talking about um um podcasting, and uh, we we were talking about over the over the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You had uh, did some stuff over, over over Zoom. I think you said about uh, 35? In- yeah, about 32 episodes we where, did. Where can they find that? Where can we... Um, that's on um, primarily on YouTube. It was uh, it was on uh, a Roku channel we did the, that show. Um, it was called TKO Countdown. So it was a TV show on, on the Roku channel um, that was live streamed as well to YouTube at the time. Right. So those those episodes are primarily on, on YouTube. Um, so if you go to um, uh, or Twitter, if you go to uh, at Nation Crossfire or at uh, TKO Countdown, a lot of those episodes are on there. Um, but uh, we are actually in, in development of another show right now. Nice, uh, Joseph called uh, After the Crossfire, and it's mm. uh, it's going to be a uh, a show where we uh, you know we uh, have guests from the combat sports community and from other related uh, walks of life personalities actors that sort of thing yeah. share their views their thoughts on issues and and basically get their take on what's going on out there so um, that show uh, will primarily be on YouTube 
and uh, we're we're uh, working on it right now. We're projecting it to come out sometime in in March. So uh, that's okay, what right we're, on we're working on. Yeah. Nice. All righty. Once again, folks, thank you for listening to the Particle Sons. All streaming platforms possible on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe. Keep sending the Ask Sons questions. Good question. The vagina one was different. That was different. And <laughs> yes. And thank you for listening to Particle Sons. Remember, the difference between genius and stupidity is that genius has its limits. Peace and love, y'all. Peace and love. Later. Particle signs with not your average Joseph and Sofa King Marvelous.